everyone, welcome to Coach Out Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, and here's what we've got lined up for you this week. A lot of good athletes that they're really good with positive thought stopping self-talk. So when the negative starts to creep in and they're getting to that thought stopping self-talk or routine or keyword or phrase, whatever it is, then I'm like, okay, they're they're kind of in their zone. They're confident, they're ready to roll. They're not letting the negative creep in and, and affect their performance or their mindset. In this episode, Austin gives us an unbelievable insight into developing confidence through techniques and different methods as a coach or as a psychologist. Coach Help is here to help you. Do you want guidance on your own personal development? Do you want to reflect better? Coach Help's primary focus is to help teachers, practitioners and coaches to do this. Get in touch today to set up a free consultation and ask any questions. You can follow us on Twitter at CoachHelp3 or email us at CoachHelp123 at gmail.com. Hi Austin, welcome to the CoachHelp podcast. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Um, I said we're going to delve into a little topic around kind of developing confidence, which will be, which I think will be really interesting for, for the listeners. Um, but just before we kind of get going, just... Um, Tell us a little bit about you, where you're at, what you're kind of doing at the minute, um, and then we'll we'll get cracking, mate. Yeah, so I'm currently located in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm a certified mental performance coach. I'm the CEO and founder of my own company called Prime Performance. I do mental performance, some mental health work with athletes, coaches, teams, businesses, not just here in the state of Indiana, but all over the country and actually all over the world, too. Um, there's a lot of different things that go into mental performance training in the field of sports psychology. So it's, it's um, whatever's as needed basis each day as I go in to work with all these different populations and teaching them about this, this very important field. Yeah, no, no, brilliant. Like I said, really interesting. And, and like I said, you're, for me, you're ideal for this topic because I think people try and tackle it individually, like within sport and stuff at times, but, I think there's a more kind of rounded approach which we'll come on to. So, like I said, we're going to talk about um, developing confidence in an athlete or an individual on the pitch, which obviously means on the grass, within the stadium, whichever, like I said, because a lot of stuff's kind of been off the pitch as well, and we'll, we'll talk about how it kind of intertwines. But just for you, Austin, define what confidence is in a sporting environment to you. Yeah, so confidence is actually defined as the strong belief in yourself and the strong belief in your skills. And I actually put that definition up there and define it uh, to all the people that I work with and part of my trainings, especially when they go through my eight to 10 week program. Um, confidence is one of the bigger topics that we discuss. And so I define it for them based off of that because one thing that I have come to find out in my time of working with athletes confidence is much more an action than it is any type of feeling and so then i revert back to that definition the word belief or believing in yourself and believing in your skills is an action verb um so that is something that you do and a lot of athletes they go into performance they go into game they might go into practice and they don't feel confident which works out for me because then I can go back and address and say well you don't have to feel confident going into this it might not be an ideal situation but that's a good thing for you because you can go out there and you can act confident so we try to figure out you know what their best self is what the best version of themselves is and then 
really kind of build on those actions and what they need to do in order to go out there and, and play confident. Okay. So, so again, what, what would, uh, again, there's probably a few different strands to this, but what would confidence look like to you if you were, say, for instance, watching a team perform and we picked out one individual? What would they do or how would they act or what traits would they have which would tell you that they're confident? Yeah, the first indicator without just for me from a visual, without me even getting to chat with the athlete, uh, is body language and how they are reacting in terms of their physical being. And you can pick up a lot on athletes based on how they react from their body language, which I teach a lot of positive body language. I teach how it affects you positively and negatively both. Um, so I really try to get that from my viewing sense first. Once I get that, then, you know, I might talk to them, depending on the sport, some sports, you get a little bit more downtime where I can talk to athletes in between innings or, you know, when, when they get off the field for a little bit. Um, then we look at their self-talk. Well, how are you feeling? What do you think about yourself? How's the game going for you? You can really pick up pretty easily on their, their verbal use and the words that they use, whether they're feeling confident or not. Um, I like to build a lot on positive self-talk. The more positive your self-talk is, the more confident you're going to be. And then on top of that, um, Athletes are not comparing themselves to anybody that's around them. They're not worried about what the opponent's doing. They're not so much worried about what their teammates, their coaches are doing. They're worried about what they are doing, what they're about to do, and what they can go out there and accomplish. And, and that's a big indicator for me whenever I'm looking at them and I see that, that I'm like, okay, this athlete's good to go. He, he, doesn't, he or she doesn't really need a, a confidence boost right now. I think that they're in their zone. I'm going to let them be, and I'm going to let them go out there and figure it out. Others, you know, I might have to jump in if I, if I see those things not really up to par with what I typically would like to see with confidence in an athlete in a team setting. Okay, and then go, going back to, like you said, they say certain things that indicate to you that they're confident. What kind of, again, it might be a specific phrase or – just certain words that they come out with all the way they say, but what things do they say where you go, yeah, this person really displaying confidence? Yeah, so I do an exercise actually early on when I work with teams and I figure out um, keywords, I figure out cue phrases of positive self-talk for each individual athlete. And obviously the more I'm with the team, the longer I'm with the team, I can figure these things out pretty easy, but if I'm just starting out with a team, you know, it takes a little bit to, to get these exercises integrated, but let's just say I've been with the team for a while. I know what their positive self-talk is. I know what their keywords are. I'm listening for those things. And I usually have a sheet, um, whether it's a small little notebook I carry around or sometimes I have an Excel spreadsheet even, and I know what keywords or what positive self-talk there is for each athlete. Sometimes it's super motivational words. I don't have any specific examples on that. Other times, you know, they're, they're going through instructional positive self-talk. Um, and then a lot of times, you know, I've, I've got a lot of good athletes that they're really good with positive thought-stopping self-talk. So when the negative starts to creep in and they're getting to that thought-stopping self-talk or routine or keyword or phrase, whatever it is, then I'm like, okay, they're, they're kind of in their zone. They're confident. They're ready to roll. They're not letting the negative creep in and, and affect their performance or their mindset. Right, because then you also said around um, another like, trait or a way that they show confidence is that, um, like you said, that there's no kind of negative stuff coming in. They're not comparing themselves to others. Again, on the flip side of that, now let's delve into it a little bit more. Can you almost like 
predict or forecast a decrease in an individual's confidence. Because the big thing for me, like working in the like I'm working in the coaching environment as well, is that we always like you'll have the meeting six weeks down the line, go um, player A is short on confidence, a real struggle. But then in my head, I always think, could we have caught that earlier and almost stopped it happening and having that intervention earlier? I think it comes down to how well you know your your athletes and your players. Uh, there are a lot of athletes. I mean, I get to know them on a very personal level. We build really good rapport together. And for some of my athletes, I'm like, I, if, if this, this, or this happens, you know, I can see their confidence decreasing. Other athletes, they've got really high mental fortitude, and I test for that, and I assess for that. And it's, I'm pretty – I am confident with their confidence. And if something were to happen or referee doesn't call it your way, other team starts to get up a few a few goals or runs or a bigger score, whatever it is, um, I feel confident in some of my athletes with those higher mental fortitudes, and the, the more mentally tough athletes. Others, you know, I have some athletes, they live off of continuous uh, positive reinforcement. So when they're doing good, it's, it's going well. And when something bad happens, you know, that confidence level might fall off. And so we got to figure out where, what, they, what we need to do, what needs to happen. Um, sometimes it, it can be a quick in-game adjustment and I can work with the athlete. Other times um, their confidence gets shot like, really quickly. And there's a really great um, concept that one of my mentors, his name is Graham Betchart, he teaches it. And it's called Next Play Speed. And what this concept is, and I heard it from him just a few months ago, uh, Next Play Speed is how quickly when something bad happens to you, can you get to that next play? How quickly can you get over the failure, the adversity, move on to the next play with a positive mindset and get back to where you need to be, where I like my athletes to be in their, their prime level of performance. That's why I've got my company name like that. So some athletes, it's a five second next play speed. They think about it. They understand that that failure, that adversity happened. They moved on. Their, their confidence is right back where it needs to be. Other athletes, it lasts the rest of the game. Some athletes, it lasts you know multiple practices, multiple games. And then you got to dive even deeper um, at a subconscious level to kind of figure out, you know, what can we do to attack this to get you in the right mindset with the right mentality at all times? Because I feel if you're lacking confidence in one area of your life, you're, you're more than lacking confidence in other areas of your life, too. So I, I try to make a very holistic and complete athlete to where they're confident in school, they're confident at home, they're confident around their friends, they're confident in sport, they're confident everywhere. Because if if you, how you do small things is how you do all things. So I, I feel that if they're confident in other areas, it's going to translate to sport as well. I really, no, I really like that. Is there, I'm just thinking now around, is there particular sports where, like you said about this next play speed, is there particular sports which don't allow for this? So I'm, I'm thinking of, I don't know, a, a baseball or a cricket, a sport where you can be basically like you hit the bad shot, you're out, and then you're not back in for a long time. Whereas in football, because it's invasion, it's things happening all, all the time, like you're on, you're on the pitch and it's almost like in real time you can either react and go again and again and again, or like I said, that, that negative keeps hitting you. Is there certain sports which you find it really difficult to, to work on this stuff? You mentioned it. Baseball is yeah. probably one of the harder because it is a game of failure. You fail quite a bit. There's a lot of adversity in baseball. And like you just mentioned, like not a lot of people understand it from this way, but you go up there for an at-bat and you strike out or you don't get the result that you want. It might be two, three innings before you're even up to bat again to get a chance to do that. 
Same thing goes if you're out in the field, you make an error in a play, you might not get a ball hit to you the rest of the game. So you got that might be creeping up in the back of your mind, which then it affects other areas of your game. So I would say baseball is probably one of those that um, their next play speed is more than likely on average longer. Others like, you know, I work with a lot of football teams. They go play by play. They make an, they make a mistake here. They got the next play that they can make up for it. Or they wait till if they're on defense, they wait till offense gets off the field. They can go back and make a play for it. Um, Basketball soccer there are games that are just continuously going and it's very fast paced there's not as much downtime there so you get the opportunity to make up for your mistakes whereas in baseball you get very few chances throughout the day uh, aside from if you're pitching or catching and you've always got the ball in your hands for the most part uh, you get very few chances so your next play speed might might be a little bit worse than, than in other sports but that's the mental fortitude piece that's why I get hired on is to come in and build that to where they are less susceptible to being brought into the failure and and buying into them being a bad athlete and then destroying their confidence. So what I want to delve into a bit more like what what techniques would you use then for for instance like a baseball player or again like in the UK probably like a cricket player be something really similar like what would you use because like I said that I'm thinking now about even my own career back in the day like where you dwelled on stuff like what what do them techniques look like that you'd work on with a baseball player, for instance? Yeah. Uh, so the, the main one that I go through is they need to have some sort of routine. And it can be a mixture of mental. It could be a mixture of physical. It could be a mixture of emotional. The main concept is building a routine. I do this with all of my athletes. Some athletes, we get to dive into it a little bit more than others. Um, but essentially the routine, I, I think that it has to have a few different things. One, you have to have a deep breath in there at some point, deep breathing technique. That's one of the first things, one of the first skills I teach whenever I work with any team organization is to be able to focus on your breath. It is so important. It is so underutilized. And it is one of the greatest skills that I give out to athletes. Something that we do every day is the first thing that we ever did when we came into this world. It's very, very important. So a deep breath to help lower pressure, help lower heart rate, help bring you back into the present moment. On top of that, we build up their self-talk. So what's, what's your positive keyword? What's, what's your keyword that's going to get you into a calm mindset? What's your keyword that's going to get you back into a confident mindset? You know, I work on these with athletes and I'm able to get in with them and make this routine. So deep breath, they've got self-talk. Then we usually do some a physical action with a reset. Um, in baseball, I work on this with the Indiana Canes a lot. The reset might be, I've, I've seen it in the MLB, Aaron Judge, he picks up dirt and he tosses it. And that's his mental reset. Whatever that pitch was, just happened. He picks up the dirt, that's the pitch, now it's gone. Others, they adjust their batting gloves, that's their reset. Others, they just grab their helmet real quick. Some physical action, you're physically doing something that helps you reset and get back to where you want to be, more like a flush. And then finally, I'm a big proponent on humor. And I always try to get, if I'm going out there to speak with my athlete or they come to me or whatever, I always try to get them to laugh. And I work with a lot of coaching staffs on that, you know, make it light. And sometimes it's not always like that, especially in a pressure championship situation. It's really tough to be light. But I think that that's one of the most beneficial things is to try to just get your athletes to relax and laugh a little bit as a part of that routine. And sometimes I'll have the athletes, you know, what are you going to say to yourself that's going to make you laugh? What are you going to think about that's going to make you laugh? Or at least smile at the bare minimum. Force yourself to smile because then you're starting to get your mind to think that everything's a little bit better than what it actually is, which then in turn, it makes you more calm, makes you more confident, makes you more ready to go in whatever the situation is. So those routines are also 
pregame, they can be during the game. Uh, and then I usually have athletes review and, and go through a post-game routine as well. No, I like the the idea of like something to reset and thinking like people off the top of your head you've seen on like the TV, like even golfers. Golfers do a lot of things with like the glove, don't they? They'll take the glove off and put it back on during a shot because that's almost the start of the routine. Um, no, it's interesting. But then going back to like the transitional games, obviously like football, basketball, and you said we we talked about it's very easy to get all the things because, like I said, there's so many different things going on in the game. What if, again, take a back a basketball player, what if they miss the game-winning shot, like the buzzer-beater shot? Like, so you've had all these ups and downs during the game, but then at the end, that's happened. What does that then look like, the process from the end of the game to then the start of the next game? So it comes down to a lot of acceptance acceptance of failure, acceptance of adversity. And, you know, most athletes, when they're in that situation, it's, it's devastating. You miss the game winning shot, your team lost. Um, and, you know, you, you put that pressure on yourself to, to perform. And so it can build up and it can really harm you negatively in your next performance, or, you know, you can accept what happened, become present moment focused, get back to a more positive mentality, go through your routines and understand, Hey, that one shot is not me. That doesn't define me. It was a shot. I put it up, whether they liked it, whether they hated it, whatever it is, that is what it is. Now I need to get back to who I am because that one shot, it wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't the end of my life. That Nothing has really changed aside from we lost that one game. So there's much more to come. Even if it was the final game of their career, it's helping the athletes understand that there's much more to life than just sport or there's much more to life than performing in an athletic situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like, again, that's where I feel like you're, not, you're going down the the kind of well-being route and, the, like I said, that mental wellness of, I think, probably the old school mentality a bit was sport is everything. Like you said, you live and die by results, that kind of stuff. I feel like this is something that's becoming more prevalent. So, again, how do you do you come across performers, athletes, players, individuals who are basically like sport is life and death to me. And then how do you try and manage that with them? Yeah. I, I mean, I have a lot of athletes like that. And you usually see that in um, athletes who show perfectionism. And on top of that, there are a lot of different things that can happen with that. Some good, some bad. Um, when I work with athletes and I figure that out, sometimes it's parents are like, Hey, like he's very, he or she's very involved in sports or other times it's like coaches, like, Hey, I, I can't get that athlete to step off of the field or step off the court. They just, they won't stop. They're just continuously going and like they, they live for it. Um, I'm a very holistic approach type mental performance coach. And so I work to help the athletes understand that, just because there is some failure or setback or you don't meet expectations of some sort, there's a lot more that goes into that. There's a lot more that goes into performance. And to kind of answer your question, but one of the main things that goes in with that and what I teach off the bat is to control what you can control. And athletes, when they go into sport, they think that they have full control over the sport and the score. They have full control over their stats. They have full control over their playing time. In reality, they have very minimal control 
over the statistics that they put up, over the team win-loss record, over their playing time. If that were the case, I would have been undefeated in high school because I was extremely I was extremely competitive. I wanted to win every single game. It doesn't work like that. Um, so it's helping them understand, like, you don't control those things. So here's what you do control. You know, you control your energy. You control your hustle. You control your positive mindset. You control how good of a teammate and friend you are. Uh, you control your, even your attitude, things like that. And so I have a success checklist of let's do this going into the next game. Hey, for the next few practices, don't worry about any stat, anything that you put up in practice or game. If you work and put 110% into all these things that I've got here, the energy, attitude, effort, positive mindset, being a good teammate, then you've done your job. And there's, there's no reason that you should be upset whether you guys win, lose, whether you're the leading scorer, whether you play the worst on the field. There is nothing that you should be upset about with putting in 100% in all these categories and not, not reaching what you want it to be. Because for the most part, if you do all those things at a really high level, you're going to be successful. That's just part of it. Um, but athletes don't tend to see that. They, they are, especially with social media, we're, we're in a world now where your stats and team stats are getting posted every single day and people in your community are seeing them every single day. It's like, man, I wish my name was up there from that game or I wish that I was the one that, that got all the social media shout outs or the one that's getting all the coaches reaching out to me on social media. So athletes, they do put a lot of, of stock into what they do in a results form. Um, so it's helping them understand there's a lot more than just the things that get written down on paper that could make you not only a successful athlete, but a successful person going forward. Because as you and I know, there's a lot more than sports after it um, to be working yeah. towards and be successful. Forward. So where was that changing you? I know that's probably a bit more of a personal question, but you said earlier like you were competitive, you wanted to win. Like, so what, what sparked or gave that almost light bulb moment where you changed your outlook on it? That's a great, great question. Um, I struggled mightily in my high school playing career. I wanted to go and play college basketball. I experienced this thing called athletic burnout, um, and it's defined as the extreme mental, physical, emotional exhaustion of the human mind and body. Hated every second of it as I was going through it, but looking back now, it was exactly what led me to starting my own company, being here on this podcast with you today, teaching this stuff to athletes and, and people in the business realm and coaches. And it actually, so that transition happened. I would like to say the first day was when I took an elective class at Indian University when I was at college for my undergrad. I was wanting to be a physical therapist. And my elective I took was sports psychology. I was like, this sounds kind of cool. Sounds like an easy A. Um, took it. One of the first things we discussed was athletic burnout. I was like, wow, that's exactly what I experienced in high school. And I didn't even know what it was that I had experienced until that day in that lecture. So what did, um, what did you think it was? What did, sorry, what did you think it was when you were in high school? So was it just a case of I'm tired or? It came down to, to me, personally, I put a lot of pressure on myself to perform at an elite level. And then on top of that, I mean, I, I was – almost 365 days a year. I was every single day I felt like doing sports. And so I just attributed it to, you know, I put a lot of miles on my, on my body and my legs. I'm just physically tired. But even with that, I, I felt like any type of little hit was just like a truck hitting me. Like that's, that's how physically deteriorating it makes you feel and on top of that. Your emotions suck and your mentality just isn't what it is. And, um, from then on, I knew that I never wanted to feel like that again. And I really assess and test athletes on that. And 
on top of that, I think um, there's a book that I read that supplemented my transition into the mental performance coaching realm. And it's my number one most like resource book to people. Uh, Zen and the Art of Happiness by Chris Prentice changed my complete mindset and changed my entire life. I'm not perfect by any means, but the way that I thought back then is almost a 180 compared to where I'm at now, especially after reading that and knowing what I know now from all of my research and education in the field. Brilliant. So then like, go back to, like I said, you said you were talking around, I interrupted you, my fault, but um, that first day in the class um, in college, what were you, what were you thinking? Was it kind of light bulbs going off and this is, this is exactly what it was. This is what I want to do. I want, I don't want people to go through this. Yeah. And it was, so I had started out in physical therapy in my undergrad because that was something that would keep me in contact with athletes and in the athletic realm. So I was like, this seems like a decent career field. And then we had that discussion and they went through that whole thing on burnout. I was like, this is where I need to be. And at the time, I mean, this was multiple years ago at the time, there was no great outlook on mental health or mental performance. It was still like kind of taboo to discuss mental health at the time. And there, like, I even looked it up. There weren't any jobs like there are now with what it was that I was doing. And um, it was kind of a scary leap going back and telling family and friends like, Hey, I'm transitioning into this field because I believe in it. And it's something that I think would benefit a lot of people when there's no real outlook and they're like, Oh, like, what are you going to do? How much money are you going to make? And you're like, I really don't know. There's nothing out there for it right now. And then it just worked out perfectly and very blessed that mental health is a super hot topic now. And people are very open about their mental health. They're very open about their mental performance coaches and athletic directors are starting to understand that it's not all about the physical. You could have the most physically gifted team, but if your mentality sucks and your mindset sucks and you've got an, a bunch of athletes that, you know, emotionally just get out of the game super quickly when failure happens, like you don't have a super great team after all. So teaching these things, working on the mentality side of it, working on the sports psychology side, uh, it, it gets me out of bed in the morning and, and I love what I do every single day. And it's, it's more rewarding than anything when I work with athletes and they make a breakthrough or they get through a mental block or, you know, we attack things like burnout and we help get them connected to the right resources for their mental health, however serious it is. Yeah. No, it's a great way of putting it. And kind of just going to boil, I put you on the spot a little bit here, but like going back to the confidence stuff. So going to try and imagine almost you're the part of an MDT team now. So you've got, like I said, your physical trainer, your coaches, your well-being, your psychologists, your analysts, your physios, all that kind of stuff. And you've discovered basically one of your players, one of the individuals in your team setting has distinct lacking confidence. And we're going to try and build a program for that player with almost like a wraparound of help from all the, all the staff. Whereabouts would you start with that? That's a great question. Because uh, again, because again, start... just sorry, sorry, just because I think just for listeners, like I think a lot of coaches who listen and stuff like this, sit in rooms where there's three or four staff. It's like right, um, player X needs needs confidence. Where we're going to start? And I think it's such kind of a niche topic around like where do we go with that 
Yeah, I think it would start with myself having a discussion with that athlete. So then I can give all of the resources that are there a better understanding of my professional opinion on it. Um, that might be, you know, talking to the athlete, you know, what are you experiencing right now? When do you feel like you're, you're lacking confidence? When do you feel like you are at your most confident? I really like to assess, okay, what, when do you feel like you're playing at your best? What does that look like? Break it down for me. Like what happens during the day? What are, what are you doing in school? What are you doing after school? And so from there, then it's, okay, let's get with the athletic trainers. I have a very good relationship with all the athletic trainers that are associated with organizations that I'm with. Um, you know, if they come into the, the PT room, they go and work with an athletic trainer. Hey, while you're taping them up or while you're talking to them for this, this, and this, you know, just kind of get their mind off of sport. Try and have them think outside of the box here. Other times it might be going to the coach and saying, hey, this athlete would do really well in practice if you purposely set them up in successful situations, whatever that may be in the, in the coach's game plan. But it's, hey, maybe put them in an easier situation for once without telling the athlete, obviously, but it's can you make your game plan around them to where they can see success today? Other times um, it's working as a team and saying, hey, maybe this athlete needs a lot of positive reinforcement. They, they gain their confidence when they hear people talk good about them or say positive things about them. Um, and then on top of that, I, I think that the parents of athletes are always good to have involved and friends yeah. because they see the athlete much more than I ever do. So it's, Hey, let's not talk so much about what went wrong during the game. Let's talk about what they controlled. Well, which is that energy hustle, attitude, positive mindset, all that. Like, what did you do well on the controlling side of things? Let's not worry about the stats so much. Let's, let's talk about what you did do. Right. And so all those different things will play a piece uh, subconsciously and consciously in, in getting that athlete to where they need to be. Sometimes a couple of days, other times, it, you know, might take a few weeks to, to really pound that into their mindset, but we're going to get there no matter what. So. And how do you measure that? Is there a couple of things you'd look, is there a couple of things you'd see straight away again? Like it's very easy to go down the, the body language route and go, yeah, like suddenly they're, like they're playing better. But what about, the more reserved individual or the one that doesn't really give a lot away? How, how do you almost notice them things in, in them people? Yeah. So obviously for the extroverted ones, it's, it's pretty easy to tell from the way they talk and the way they act and, and all that. And obviously the way they go out there and play more introverted ones who, um, you know, maybe they are a reserved athlete. Maybe their body language is always kind of the same, no matter what mindset they're in. Um, maybe their self-talk is always relatively the same for them. It's, I usually try to scale with athletes and for the most part, athletes are really good when I give them a scaling question. And I just say straight up, you know, what, what is your confidence level on a scale of one to 10 today? And they give me that number and I say, okay, where's the situation where you play at a very confident level? They run that through with me and I'm like, okay, what are you at on the scale during that scenario? Then they give me the number so I can kind of see, okay, is their confidence really shot? Are we, pretty close to where we want to be um, and kind of go from there. Other than yeah. that, it's just sitting down, talking with the athlete, you know, tell me what's going on and, and figuring out what they're, where they're at with it. How would you then, so again, going back to like the MDT staff of the wraparound, how would you incorporate almost like weekly or daily meetings where you're kind of dipping into all these people that so obviously we've made this plan for a player? Um, there's five or six members of staff what kind of things would you be asking of the staff and and what how, how would you kind of develop that process over the days 
Yeah, so it might be if I, since for most of my contracts, I'm only there one or two days a week. I keep my phone line open for all staff and all players um, that are associated with the program that has me hired on. So maybe if, if I'm not there, hey, I give it the ATs, and if they don't have that athlete, and can you go out of your way to give this athlete, kind of scale them, see where they're at, let, let me know what they think. And then um, on top of that, I always am pretty good if I'm working with an athlete specifically on a certain situation like this. I give a write-up and a, and a little type-up of what I think best steps are to getting them to where they want to be, kind of like a success checklist. Um, yeah. I give that to the athlete, and then I also give that to the coaching staff. I'm like, for them to get – and make a, a breakthrough what they've got going on these things should be being accomplished daily sometimes it's just coach going up and saying this this or this other times it's um, an at reminding the athlete hey have you gone through your routine today have you done your mental skill work other times i know when their practice starts and i might shoot the athlete a text and say hey here's what you need to go through in your routine today just a reminder i would start working on that right now um, but if i'm there obviously i can work on them more readily because the coaches they got their game plans that they're worried on and they can't focus just on one athlete the athletic trainers they've got a lot of athletes that they're getting taped up working on injuries with um, so that's why I usually am there on campus to help out with these things and just be a bit of a reminder of hey here's what we need to do to get you into the mindset that you need to have to to succeed oh brilliant and then kind of just just wrapping up a little bit Austin like what would again you're developing yourself as a practitioner in this in this area what things around confidence and developing belief in individuals do you want to kind of explore and experiment with more uh so there's a thing called vsm video self-monitoring i have not been able to do that as much recently i, I did it and during uh, my college my master's degree during my master's program and I think that VSM is a really big tool that I haven't been able to utilize as much yet, mainly because of starting the company and, and getting super busy with all these contracts that I didn't really expect right off the bat. Um, but video self-monitoring, I think, is, is really big because there's a lot of research on if you see yourself in successful situations, your brain takes that into account and subconsciously you'll be able to more likely perform in those situations. So um, our brains do not tell the difference between what we experience in reality and what we experience in our imagination. Just like when you have a nightmare and you wake up and you're sweating and your heart's racing and you think that that actually happened, your mind believes that it did. Same thing goes um, if you put yourself into successful mental imagery exercises. I think video self-monitoring is a good way of mental visualization to, to kind of help with that. Well, nice. And then is there, is there anyone like out there who's really well known in this field and can kind of develop it really well that you'd want to explore more of? There's a few people. Uh, I've got a couple of mentors that I think did really great in helping with my clinical confidence, and I know that they do really well with their athletes. Graham Betchart, uh, he runs a company called Train the Mind. Graham does it in a very different way, but he's one of the coolest dudes I've ever met. He works through... Um, music so he's got a couple of albums out they are meant to be confidence building albums that you just listen to like pre-game there's music in the background binaural beats going and he's just kind of talking through like what i would do in a session or what he would do in a session but there's music going so it makes it a little bit more interactive uh, on top of that Stu singer he's one of my mentors he's a sports psychologist um, 
in Washington, I believe. And he's got a lot of really great things with his company called Well Performance. And then there's Brian Kane, who's online. And he is just a cup of coffee every single day. Just whenever you see, he posts a lot on social media, he's really good with that. Um, he just makes you feel confident just from listening to him and, and what he's got to say and, and the positive things. I have not met Brian. I've talked to him a few times. Um, haven't ever met him, but he just brings the energy and it's, it's a cup of coffee when you listen to his podcasts or what he's got posted on Instagram and all that. No, definitely something to check out. But yeah, just, um, just to wrap up, really appreciate it. Just tell us again a little bit more about the name, obviously, of your, your business and if, if anyone wanted to kind of catch up with you, dig into a little bit more detail on some of the topics, then, then how can they get a hold of you, Austin? Yeah, so uh, my company's Prime Performance. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Austhalk Prime, A U S T H A L C P R I M E Prime. Uh, I've also got a website right now that is in the works. It's been up for a bit, but we're revamping it primeperformancecoaching.com. My information's on there, and then I'm available through email. Uh, A-U-S-T-H-A-L-C at gmail.com. I really like to connect with people. If you've ever got questions, uh, I'm, I'm always happy to help and, and give my opinion and get you connected with where you need to be connected to to, to help you perform at your prime performance. Nah, that's good. Thanks for your time, Austin. Awesome. Top man. Absolutely. Thank you.